Somewhere over the rainbow Birds fly Check one, check one Testies, testies, one, <laughs> one Hello And welcome to another whatever this is I'm calling it a podcast But it might just be uh, Just drivel A little bit of drivel And then packaged together to look like a podcast and put on Patreon only and not called a podcast because it isn't worthy of a podcast. But it's disguised as a podcast, so get into it. Welcome. It's been a bit. Um it's good to be back. I've not this not um this is just audio only, so it's out in the wild. I've not managed to do a video one because I'm getting packed, ready to go on some travels, and all my camera gear is packed away, but I thought, you know what, while, I've, while I'm on one, I might as well get a little podcast done, I'll set my little studio up in the front room this time, I'll have my cup, I'm on tea, I'm on a cup of tea, listen to this, because the old, I don't need coffee, coffee is my enemy at the moment, the jitter juice, also I read that the reason... You know, you get like, people say coffee gives you energy. It's not energy. That's fake news. What it is, is it's a poison. Like, the beans or the caffeine is poisoning your body. And it's your body going into a fight, flight, or... What's the other one? Fight, flight, or spinning elbow. It's your body going into that, so you get anxious and nervous because you're geared up, ready to run or to fight. And also, that's why a lot of people... Um, go to the toilet after they've had their first coffee in the morning because it's your body trying to get rid of the poisons in there. I read that and thought, right, uh, that's it. Let's just ease back off the old jitter juice a little bit because it is fake energy and fake news. And a lot of the time I get geared up on it on the morning and then I'm wondering why at like dinner time I've like got heart palps and <laughs> I've got can't focus on anything and when when you've got ADHD I think strong coffee is just not the way forward so I'm not bothering with it um it is early doors what time is it? it's not actually that early eight o'clock on a whatever morning it is I might put this out today so hello how did you survive the heat wave mate yeah muggy wasn't it it's difficult to sleep wasn't it um how how did I survive the heat wave? Nearly killed me. That's what I'm here to talk about as well. One of the things we're going to get into is how the heat wave nearly killed me and it's the closest I've come to abandoning a long distance hike and thinking <clears throat> that I was going to have to get airlifted away. But before that, so I haven't seen you for a while, and this is just a little catch up. Before that, I thought, right, I need to do a little bit of training. Um, and I wanted to get myself out into nature, proper into nature, for a couple of nights, three days, and just lose myself out there. Um, so I did. I headed off to the Lake District with a rough idea of where I was going to go, the area. And I just left myself open to adventure, spontaneity, blowies, whatever. Whatever was up there. I was open to it, and so I just packed a bag, took my camera gear as well, so I filmed it, 
the little bits that I could. And I just had the best time. It was probably my top three solo adventures. It was such a good time. Um, And I put a lot of miles in. I put a lot of miles in and I just had my map. And I would look at a mountain ridge. I'd be like, right, I want to get to the top of there. So on my GPS, right, plot a route in, I'm off. And I'll go to that top of that peak, check out the views. All right, I can see a tarn in the distance, body of water, wonder what that's like. Set a, a route in my GPS. I had, um, I pay for the OS maps on my phone, so I had that. Get over to the tarn, check it out, and then just, just meandering about. And it was so good to be off the beaten track as well. A lot of the places that I was hiking didn't have any paths or obviously no signposts, but it was very reminiscent of the Cape Raft trailing parts, which was, it just filled me with such joy. And the water, oh. So the first day I put a good shift in because I wanted to be tired. So I put a good shift in and uh, I got up to a tarn that's quite high up. But the problem is it's near Scarfell Pike, which is the most popular area. And so when I got over the ridge and I looked down at this tarn, there was, I counted them, about seven or eight tents just all cuddled together. It's like, oh, like Reading, Reading Festival, which I get it. It's a beauty spot. It's, you know, it's going to be used, but I can, I can see how much more popular it is now this wild camping than when I first died, there'd be no one midweek up there. There would be no one, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, there would have been no one. Uh, now you go midweek and there's like seven or eight people. So although I can't be mad at it and it's, it's cool because everyone has the right to do it. It's uh it's a little bit, you know, deflating because it puts a lot of pressure on that area. Because when I went down, like the next day, so I camped near that town. I went over to another ridge and camped. And the next day there was just litter and bits and pieces, like a little scorch marks here and there. Like it just looked like people had been there. And it's just the inevitability in it of people. We can't have anything beautiful. So, yeah, but I didn't go there anyway. I went, I carried on to a lovely infinity pool. And then the weather came in. And I got tent bound. But the next day, I again, just meandering. I got into like a pace of the mountains. Nowhere to go. Phone was not like no signal. Just, it was just amazing. Um, And I hiked, did a put, a put a good shift in. And then I found, I was walking off the path and I heard running water. And I thought, let's go and have a little peep. And there was a, like, tiny little, it was like a stream almost. It wasn't very big. I looked over, it looked pretty cool. But then there was, like, a waterfall with a plunge pool at the end of it. So I got in, swam over to it, and it just opened up, like, downwards. So it was deep, and it was full of fish. It was the best. I stayed in there for, like, 45 minutes or something. It nearly gave me some hypothermia. And it was it was magical. That's all I can say. It was magical because it was up in the mountains, off the track. So no one would really have known about it. And you'd ha- you'd have had to sort of swim up this little gorge to get to this waterfall. 
And it was just filling me with such joy. And I was thinking, I wonder how many human beings have dived down here and like to the bottom and just chilled out. I can't imagine many. Um, and that was just stunning, man. And I got out, I just stood there butt naked at one point with the sun all up on my junk. And um, it's the most alive, not alive, but the most happy in nature I think I've been. Because I had that cold feeling of goosebumps on the outside of me. My bones were cold. All I like all the normal stuff for spending far too long in a mountain stream. But the sun just poked its head out as I'd got out. And it was hitting my eyes, hitting my skin, hitting my junk, warming my face up. And it just felt the best, man. It was like, and it felt, it was like, that's, this is natural. This is a natural high. And I just, it really leaned into it. It was beautiful, a beautiful, poignant moment. Um, yeah, absolute hippie, but it was amazing. And then I kept walking down, I had a few more dunks, because just to keep the hyperthermia topped up. And then I had a wonderful camp on a beautiful pitch. Oh. And then hiked back out of there. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And the idea was, with this video, it was, um, I wanted to do something, I wanted to do um, something for like, so we're about to hit 100,000 subscribers, like, in no time. And I thought, if I, I need a video to come out for that. Not as a celebratory, like, hey, look at this. But I wanted to give people a good video, you know, like a return to f the roots. Like it was just me in the mountains and the video is an hour long. Oh, the audacity of him. An hour long video of me pissing about in woods. I, I mean, it, in mountains. But there's some lovely drone shots and some great waterfall shots and, and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a good one. Um, and I talk about the hundred thousand at the end so it's there it's there ready to go but what i thought was maybe i would release it on patreon early doors but then you'd be like you might think oh, what's he on about hitting hundred thousand he hasn't hit hundred thousand but that's not the point the point is i had i have when that comes out i will have done and so i had to put myself in the mindset of that we've just hit it so look out for that actually because it's uploaded ready to go so I could just drop it for you guys early super early um, yeah I might actually do that um, and another reason why I'd gone out to do that was to prep myself for the Cleveland way which I've had on my radar since I was a teenage girl because my, my nan and granddad did it and they would tell me how good it was they sort of section hiked it, I think, did half and then drove drove and then drove back, did another half, whatever. And I remember thinking about it when I was a teenage boy and thinking, wow, that's you guys are real adventurers. I can't believe it. Like, it must have took ages. He was like, yeah. I think it took them over a week to do. And so I was like, it, it, oh, it just seemed out of my grasp, things like that. Like, I was just not, yeah, I just didn't feel like I could ever do it, but it was been on my radar since then, and a lot more seriously in the last couple of years. I've had the maps just waiting to go, and so I thought, right, I'm, 
I feel better mentally. I like I've I've got rid of that fog from COVID. We've had our three days in the lakes prepping. Let's do it. Let's do the Cleveland way. And I plan to do it in five days, which is pretty tough going. It's 110 miles for anyone who doesn't know. It's 110 miles starting in Helmsley in the North Yorkshire Moors. Um, and then it goes through Osmotherley, through the, through on tops of the Moors until you hit the coastline, the Yorkshire coastline. And then it's just along the coast to Filey. Um, so you're averaging, you, you want to be doing like 22 mile a day if you're doing it in five days. But it's undulating. It's just, it's not a normal 20 odd mile. It's up and down, up and down. You're not getting very far, but you're getting like, it's because of the little tributaries and rivers that come out to the coast and they create these like valleys that you've got to go up and down, up and down. And also, I set off during a fucking heat wave, <laughs> which I wouldn't recommend doing. Not just a heat wave, the hottest heat wave in since records began on it. It certainly felt like it. And it, I set off on the Monday. I was a bit late to set off, set off at 12 o'clock on the Monday, and that was hot. But I got in, I did over 20 odd miles, 23, 24 miles on the first day. And it was steady away. There's no one on the trail because everyone was like, fuck that, I'm not hiking in this shit. So that was good. That was a positive side. But, yeah, I put a shift in, really did myself. First day, all guns blazing. I kept in a, a farmer's field. And then I woke up. And then I woke up to set off. And I set off on what turned out to be the hardest day of hiking I've ever done in my life. My so my underpants of choice were these sacks they call them, and they have a little goot like a little junk pouch for your cocking ball. Yes, I said ball. Um, and it's the material that gives way, and you can put you sort of put your junk into this separate bit. So that it's the idea is that it keeps it away from everything else and it's a great idea they're great pants for just like day-to-day stuff and little hikes and that but too much material down there had caused like a a chafing that I'd never know like oh my god mate so halfway through the hottest day of the year which was the Tuesday the chafe I could hardly walk because of the chafing it started to bleed so I ditched them pants swapped them out for my icebreakers um, but it was too late. The damage was done. Like outside, my nut bag was all chafed. <laughs> um, all me like inner thigh was all chafed, and it would just get like once the damage is done, it was it was hard, man. It was hurting. So there was that I had to deal with, and then I'd got a blister on my toe, and I never get a, like. Uh, I mean, I got a couple of blisters during it, but for this second day, I'd got a blister that was almost all the way around my big toe, like a. A Victorian ruff, you know, the things they used to wear around their neck. It was like that. Like, <laughs> like it was. It looked like my big toe had fallen off a boat and deployed some sort of safety device to, say, to like, save it. But anyway, there was that. And the heat was intense, man. It was intense. There is no water either on this particular stretch from Osmotherly to... Kildale 
there's just no water up there. It's not like the lakes, the Lake District or Scotland or Wales or whatever. When when you're up there, you just the burrs and streams and waterfalls all over the place. So you can just dunk your head or fill your bottle of water. There was now, there was now, and I only had um, just over two liters of water, which I smashed. Um, luckily, managed to fill it up at, um, at this campsite once, and then after that. I took on this, there's this one stretch that's like soul-destroyingly hard and I felt like my brain was boiling in my head because I'd been out in it all day and I felt like it was cooking, like it was sous vide in my brain. And I started to get a headache, started to feel dizzy, uh, sweating profusely, but I just kept going because that's what you have to do and I had no signal. I had, water was very like low, <laughs> morale very low and it was getting late I think it was maybe six o'clock at night and I was looking at my map and thinking fuck man I'm gonna have to look for a farm or because I was looking for little bits of water or little streams on the map but nothing was there like and any like boggy bits were just evaporated because of the heat you know just like I mean I put my head in a bog just to cool down that was all right um and then I'd got to the top of this. It's the biggest um, peak, is it peak or trig point in Yorkshire, the highest. So I'd climbed to the top of that in the in the peak of the heat, and there was just like a few heather bushes, and I just thought, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to get like lie down so that at least my head can be shaded by one of these bushes." So. I, I lied down with like my head just in the shade of this bush, like propped my bag up to create a little bit more shade. All the bottom half of my body still out in the sun, legs burning, my ears had turned to pork scratchings or whatever. Water I had like maybe three or four mouthfuls and it was boiling hot by that by this time. The the water that I was drinking had just been on the side of my bag in a plastic bottle and it had heated with the sun to the point where it was actually hot to drink. Like, if I'd have put a tea bag in it, I could have just made a cup of tea. Um, so that wasn't cool. And so I just lied there, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? Like, what are my options? Because there were... I was, like, stuck. I was miles away. I couldn't go back because I was too far away. I wasn't going to reach my um, set destination because it's too far away, and this heat and everything had just totally slowed down my pace what do I do? And I was checking my maps for farmhouses and like just anything that I could maybe go up to a house and be like, I, uh, I've messed up. Can I have some water, please? <laughs> and as I was like looking at my maps and sort of trying to formulate a plan, I heard someone swearing. So they were talking to themselves and swearing. And I just a bloke just walked around corner, all kitted out in hiking gear, and he was a bloke that I'd seen that morning. And he was doing the coast to coast for his 60th birthday. And he sat with me and he had a spare bottle of water. He was like, oh, I've got loads in the bag. You can have this. And he gave me a bottle of water. I was like, mate, you don't know. You don't know what you've done here. You've saved me. So we sat. We had a chat. I can't remember his name. He's from Harrogate, though. Um, sound bloke. Really sound. We had a good chat. And uh, that water sort of give me the energy to carry on a little bit. Then I found a puddle, not my proudest moment, because it was all flies, and there was loads of flies on top of this puddle. 
Um, so I got down, I filtered it. I filtered it best I can. And that gave me enough water to, for my meal, for my camping meal, my rehydrated meal. And I brought these little electrolyte tablets with me. So I managed to get an electrolyte tablet with the water as well. So I was good to go. And I found an amazing pitch and everything sort of started working out again. Since I'd got that water, everything sort of worked out. I got a beautiful pitch and I tended to me, me, um, me chafing just with um, antiseptic wipes and all that. And then I just left it out. In I was just sat with my legs open, just out tent, just sort of like airing it out to the world. Well, to Yorkshire. Well, to... Cle- to where is it? Where is that? Middlesbrough, I guess. Um, and then drifted off, thinking, right, we'll drift off, and then we'll have to deal with it in the morning. I woke up the next morning. Even though the chafing was still there, it wasn't half as bad. I could walk in it like with my legs in a straight line instead of giving it the old John Wayne, and I felt great. I felt absolutely great the next day. Back on it. Back on it. And there was a cafe on the map, so I was like, oh my God, that's in the next, that's in this little village that I've got to get to. I got there, it was closed and had been closed for three years, so Harvey Maps, sort it. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, where am I going to get water now? But there was a dude cleaning his car, this old bloke, and I said, can I have, can you host pipe me, please? So he, I drank from his host pipe which was glorious because it was cold and it was the first bit of cold water I'd had in a long time. So I filled my bottles up with his hose pipe and we were away. Morale, very high. But and, um, because I'd fallen back on the, the hottest day, I'd, you know, I didn't do as many miles as, I, as I'd planned to do. I was playing catch-up, so I made it from there to a place called Saltburn. When I'd got there, I was just a mess, and so I booked into a, I booked into some digs so I could you know, fill me water, look after myself, wash myself, all that sort of shit, get some good food, and then made the conscious decision from there to finish in the next two days. So do two twenty-six mile days, so two marathons back to back in the heat. Oh. It was so beautiful, though. It was so beautiful. I set off from from Saltburn. I got up onto Saltburn Cliffs, which are pretty steep. This is near the sea now. I've made it to the sea. And as I got up there, there was all these bits of slate on the edge of the cliff. And someone had written all these little positive words of affirmation and little quotes and stuff because it's like a suicide spot. And someone had just put all these, like, things there. And what's mad is his name must have been Paul because he signed it off Paul, like, so as I was reading them, I'm like, it's saying, oh, just you're, you're doing great, uh, never give up, tomorrow's another day, Paul. At the end, and I'm like, oh my God, it's like it's speaking to me. And it was emotional as fucking, because it's such a beautiful thing to for another human to do. And he'd, and he'd done it all the way up this little uh, stretch of cliff. Everywhere there was a little spot where you could jump, it's like, these slates were there. And I don't know, it was just poignant. It was really poignant. I got emotional um, because, I mean, it was just everything at one. Obviously, I'm really tired at this point as well, so I'm, my emotions were running high. And I'd had two pints of Peroni in the pub the night before. 
But it was everything. It was like thinking of people at that in that desperate state. Um, there was that emotion. Then, then thinking of some guy who's come out to, I don't know, to sort of help. And what's his story? Is he lost people to it? It was absolutely beautiful anyway. Kept going. And I just, all this day, I was just finding like words of affirmation. And I was thinking that the universe was trying to t- tell me something. Which is hippie as shit, I know, but it really was. I found a, a rock, a red rock that said, you are loved. Then, as I was going, I found that there was, this was mental as well. Like, part partway down the cliff, there was a flat bit of cliff face. And someone must have, like, they must have used ropes to get to it or something, as, had chiseled out this, in big letters, a, a poem. And it's like, to Pauline, um... And I can't even remember the poem. It's, it's on the video. I've, I did film it. It's like to Pauline. Um, it's like in the summer we met. Uh, in the spring our love blossomed and all this sort of stuff. And then in the winter you were gone. Um, from Pat or John or whatever it was. And I thought, fucking hell, mate. So his wife's died or his birds died. And he's scaled down this cliff and just chiseled it away on the side of this cliff just to... to I don't know, to either celebrate her or to just like, it's, it's heartache that does that to you, love. I don't know, it was just fucking beautiful. And then got into it, it was just, and then that coastline, because I grew up there, is a nostalgic minefield for me anyway. So I was getting hit with all these fucking crazy nostalgic feelings that you would never be able to tap into unless you went back to the exact place. You know, like to get a visual kickstart to these memories. Um, And that was just crazy too. Nostalgia, it can be beautiful and it also can be sad. It can be everything, can't it? It's an emotion. It's a weird one, is nostalgia. Um, It's a weird feeling. But it was was good. It was very cathartic. you know, I went past my mate Matt, my old my old mate Matt, who I used to go to primary school with. His bench that I we helped we on Patreon. We did for all those listeners that have been with on air for a while. We did a little giveaway thing to raise some money for from from a mate's bench for his brother to get his uh, like a memorial bench. So I went past that. I had a little sit on that. That was quite cool. And then got to this bus shelter that I used to get pissed in with my mates. It was like the one. Not a bus shelter, sorry. It was like, we'd call it the shelter. And it's just on the cliff in Whitby. And it's one of them shelters where just old people would just sit, I guess, and look at the views. And we'd sit in there and just get drink cider um, and whatever. And in there, there was even things saying, like, you've got this tomorrow's another day. You are loved. Like, what the fuck's going on with graffiti these days? There was no... There was no, like, cock and balls or anything like that. Just fucking lovely stuff. Proper springing step, mate. And then, so fish and chips in Whitby. Nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Crack on to Robiners Bay, 26-mile day. Got to the pub. I thought, you know what, I'll have one pint of Bolt Maker because it's my favourite pint and, I'll, you know, I've earned it. It went down. It went down like a granny on a frosty morning. So I had another 
and another. Had three. And by this point, you know, I'm a bit lubricated. And uh, I started to get a chat on with the barmaid. And we had a bit of fun. And she was like, yeah. She saw me hobbling over from my chair. I was sat in a leather Chesterfield armchair. I'll have you know. Was it, um, it might have even, I don't think it was an oxblood, but it was one of the um, the darker ones. Beautiful anyway. So I ordered a couple of starters, like tapas sort of shit. And she came over and she said, I see you hobbling. Here's a bell. Like it's just half as a joke. And this was after I've had three pints, I was thinking about going. But then she put the bell on the table and I was like, oh, I can't go now. She put the bell on the table. So... Every time I'd drink my pint, I'd not, I'd like ring this bell, and everyone's like, "Yay!" And then she would bring me another pint of ball maker. So I was like, "This is, this is actually heaven." I had socks and shoes off, bare feet, starters coming here, like left, right, and centre. Pints were flowing. There was good chat on. I was chatting to a guy who um, worked down Balby Potash Mines. A wonderful time in this pub, but stayed till last orders. Getting on it. Just got carried away. Last orders. And I was like, oh, well, I don't even know where I'm going to kip. So I just went and I kipped in the graveyard, which I've done. I, I, I like it. I like kipping the graveyard. It's safe. I never kipped on any. I didn't sleep on any of the graves themselves. I just in a corner, tucked away. It's the safest place. No tent, just airbed, sleeping bag, bug net, done. Wonderful. Absolutely Wonderful. And then was up at the crack of dawn because I thought, I don't want to get seen here. I'm in a bright red sleeping bag. I don't want any locals to see me. <laughs> I look like a like um, a vagrant that's just passing through town. And so any crimes or anyone had their wheelie been kicked over, I'd be blamed for it. So I was up. I think I was up around four, half four and away. Early as fuck, man. I was just up and away. Let's dig deep. Final stretch. 26 miler and did it absolutely ruined by end of it my feet were felt like they were going to explode but I got to the end and had a lovely chat actually with these two older women when I got to the to the actual end they were they were really cool um and it was one of the best hikes I've done it was very very spicy because it was a lot more difficult like the Cleveland way is no joke it's a very difficult hike I'd say but beautiful and going through my old um my old stomping grounds and that was just lovely. And I met such great people along the way. Like that guy who saved me with the water. Then as I was coming through this woodland, I mean this is all on film as well. I, I think I filmed some of these interactions. But I was coming through a woodland and I smelt fire and it was like that ain't a fire that's just a campfire. That is a big fire. And as I got round the corner there was fire brigade, there was like people with hose pipes, and the whole of this woodland was smouldering. And so as I was walking past the fire engine that was just parked in a field, the guy that was in there, I knocked on the thing, I was like, all right, mate. And I got a chat on with fire guy. I filmed some of it, actually, and he was cool as well. And he said that the fire had been smouldering under the ground for like maybe upwards of three weeks. And then it was this hot weather had just made it erupt out of the ground because it's very peaty. So there you go. I mean, I'm going to, I will be saying and talking about, I mean, I will be talking about this on my video that comes out. The, it's going to be about a two or three parter about the Cleveland Way. All this is on, 
on there. So sorry if you have to hear it again in advance. Uh, but yeah, and he was just telling me that for three weeks it was burning under the ground. So when you do go and have your fires and stuff, you don't really understand what's going on under the ground. You need to know what sort of ground you're dealing with, whether it's clay or hard ground, because that's fine. But if it's really soft, peaty ground, you shouldn't really be having a fire in the summer. You know I mean? You shouldn't really be having fires in when there's heat waves in, in summer anyway, but that's on you, innit? And he was cool as shit. And I left him, carried on walking, and then they all clocked off and big fire brigade thing went past and saluted. I got a salute. Big boys. And then I bumped into this old gadgy on the cliff top just after I'd seen them words of affirmation. He was 80 and he was just smashing it up and down this coast. He was brilliant. He looked mint as well for 80. I said, what's your... Uh, I've got this on film as well. I was like, what's your... Um, what's the trick? And he was like, well, I get up, I do 20 minutes of exercise every day, just stretching, doing a bit, um, and just keep active, keep doing it, mate. If you, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. He was an inspiration to me, was that guy. A wonderful time, anyway. I met some beautiful people. And the videos will be coming out soon. I'll edit them together. Uh, should be th maybe two or three videos. Right, that was it, the Cleveland Way. We're going to have a little look at some positive news. And then we're going to have a little... Oh, I'm going to chat about one more thing. And then we're going to bouncy, bouncy. I might tell you what I'm up to. And then we'll bouncy, bouncy. I hope you're all doing well, whoever's listening to this. I hope you're uh, fighting a good fight. I hope you managed to stay hydrated, you'll eat with. I hope you're finding good ways to... Um, deal with being a human because <laughs> it ain't easy and uh, I hope you are I hope you're finding peace with the world right bisons mate bisons roam England again for the first time in thousands of years this is pretty cool actually mate um, the animals were released in Kent not far from Matty Morgan where I go camping with Matt Bison, that would that adds an extra layer of sp spice, doesn't it? Spicing. There's me, Matt, and Jamie in on DMT in woods, and there's a bison just strolls in. Uh, <laughs> bison just strolls into camp. That's gonna shoot you through, isn't it? Um, bison are roaming England again, guys, for the first time in thousands of years, marking a new dawn for con for conservation and the fight against climate change. Three female European bison were released in the West Bleen and Thorden Woods, Kent, this morning on what is predicted to be the hottest day ever recorded in the UK. A male is set to join them. The hottest day in the UK. Yeah, tell me about it, mate. Uh, the breed is the closest living relative to the ancient stipe bison, like beavers and animals, oh sorry, the animals are one of nature's great engineers. By naturally felling trees and disturbing the earth, they create wooden habitats for butterflies, beetles and other species. So felling trees and all that ain't bad, is it? So when that guy, when me and Matt were camping, was like, hey, the trees, man. The bison are just having trees down. Beavers are having trees down. 
eating all the shit, moving the soil about. It's good. You know. It's good, unless you wanted to make loads of money selling wood. But that's another story anyway. Um, That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, It's another thing, in it, to consider when you're out. My ear itching. Hold on. I'll be with you in just one second. (laughs) It's another thing to consider having a bison. They're massive, aren't they? And it would... I think I could do... I mean, I think I could... I could definitely knock out a bison. Without a doubt. I'd probably use kicks, actually, to keep it at distance. Spinning round... Like a spinning wheel kick or something. Heel kick. Like, it's my heel on a bison's temple. That's going down. Um, But, yeah, it does add an, an extra layer of spice. And I've always said that. Release wolves into the wild. It'd be it's something to give you that... I mean, first of all, you wouldn't have eight tents out camping, would you, if there was wolves in the mountains and, and things like that. It'd maybe thin out the people who were willing to risk it. You'd just get your hardcore lads out there. Also, you'd just get piss piss heads getting eaten left, right and centre, which would be quite fun. So that's positive news for you. We're just having bisons coming back into the wild in England to help with the ecosystem. A bit like beavers have done. When I was in Cornwall, the, the woman whose campsite I stayed at, she was like, hey, there's some beavers down there. I misheard her, I misunderstood, and I, was, I went down there. Links Africa all over me, right? Where are we? Where are you? Um, but no, actual beavers, and there was... Uh, so yeah, it's for, e- for ecological reasons, man. Um, I hope it just stays in natural um, harmony with the environment, because oftentimes when we introduce stuff, or humans just get involved in that way, it, it fucks up the equilibrium, doesn't it? We'll see. I know nothing of the sort I am. I'm no scientist. Right, that's it, guys. Well done, everyone, for listening. It's only been a, a, a 40 minute, so I just wanted to catch up with you. Uh, what am I doing? So I'm packed. My truck is semi-packed. I'm still doing it, but I'm going away for a f- couple, few weeks. My daughter's off to Corfu with her um, with her mum and her dad, her other dad. Um, which is cool, like, me and her, me and her dad, me and her other dad are in her phone, in, in my daughter's phone as, he's under, he's called Sea Dad and I'm called Tree Dad, because he's a surfer and I like trees and I spend time in the woods, so, Sea Dad and Tree Dad, it's beautiful. So, they're all going to Corfu for a couple of weeks, and so I thought, you know what, let's go, let's just pack the truck full of stuff loosely get out there and do a bit so I'm going to today actually I'm setting off today down to Devon to meet up with a friend um, do a little bit of camping and stuff and then I'm going out on a mountain bike packing trip with um, Chris um, which Matt Morgan was supposed to be coming on but he's ever so busy writing his um, his show He's balls deep in his show, so we've, he's going to do that, and then he'll maybe come with us another time once that's all done and dusted for him. But we've managed to to plan it, and it's they're doing an article for Mountain Bike Magazine. It's like the most popular mountain bike magazine in the UK, and they're going to do a little article on me, and we're going to go out, we're going to do a wild camp, take some electric bikes out, and it should be fun for a couple of days. 
And then hopefully I'm going to try and make it for the Saturday to the Bushcraft show, Bushcraft Festival, whatever it is, to see whoever I want to see, like the, whoever's going to be there. It's a nice, ta- it's a good, it's good to like meet fans and stuff. And I say fans in the loosest of terms, uh, people who watch my videos, it's nice to, to connect with people and, and put faces to to names and just do a little bit of meet and greet. So I'm going to try and make it there for Saturday. And then I'm leaving, it's very loosey-goosey, but I might just dip into Cornwall uh, for a good few days, do a bit of spearfishing, a bit of camping. Um, who knows? A bit of hiking. Might swing by Matt's way, see if I can drag him out to do a podcast in the pub or something. I'm keeping it all very loose and spontaneous. But I'm taking all my camera gear with me, my spearfishing gear, my camping gear, everything. So we'll be, we'll be collecting some content. I might reach out to people... Um, oh, my mate Matt, Matt Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez, we've been chatting, he wants to do a bit, so I might tie that in as well. All good stuff. Um, and yeah, so I just wanted to end on, not a poem or anything, I don't really have a poem, um, it's just more of a thought that I'd, that, um, that I'd thought about while I was on my hike, um, and I listened to Matt, Matt, my mate Matt's podcast, um, not all of it. I just listened to the first like twenty minutes, half an hour, or whatever. Recently, and he had his friend Nico on, and Nico had been, it said he'd been, he's been struggling with his mental health, and it just, I felt a lot of love and empathy for Nico when he was talking about it. Um, so, I just wanted to say that, and I wanted to just acknowledge it that people do struggle and it's harder sometimes than you can imagine to be mm, I don't know what it is because I mean it's a different flavor for everybody in it but depression can be a kicker and once you get in you sell into a rut it, then it becomes harder and harder to get out of it and it's like a spiral in it so it was really nice that Nico had been able to do Matt's podcast and that he'd you know he'd made a positive start into his recovery so I just wanted to send some love out to Nico and he definitely doesn't listen to this but I just wanted to send him some love anyway and maybe what would be cool is if me if I can take him and Matt out for like a true experience of nature maybe I could just introduce him to like cold water dipping in in on a mountain and whatever anyway so my thoughts were uh, to do with that and, and it's something that I've been thinking about whilst on my hike um, I've been reading this book mate called Scattered Minds as he goes off on a tangent um, The Origins and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder A Healer to be Cherished Nomi Klein but the irony of having a book called Scattered Minds is my mind is too scattered to read a book so it's fuck, it's like it's there to save me and I can't even read it because I'm scattered I'm also learning Spanish, whatever. Um, that's true, Duolingo, I'm on it. So the thought, the final thought was that you, and what I thought about when I was on my hike, is that you are not your thoughts or your feelings. You're merely an observer of these thoughts and these feelings. You're not defined by them. Um, you know, they don't shape you. You're not. It's not your moral compass. It's not you. And they can change with the wind. I knew it. I found it when on the second day that 
on that really tough day while I was hiking in the heat wave, my mind had turned to some sort of soup because it was so hot. And then I'd just get these negative thoughts and negative patterns and I'll just have these little mantras of on repeat of like, oh, you're not going to do it. You fucked it. You're too hot. You're thirsty, and uh, and then it'll just then it'll just go off into tangents of wild shit that don't even make sense. When and before I would listen to that and be like, oh fuck, maybe I am shit, and I I can't do it, and and all this. But nowadays I just sit in them emotions and I acknowledge them for what they are. They're just it's just my brain firing on all like just firing off spouting shite, and I just observe it. I let them come and I let them go again, and I don't attach myself to any thoughts. Even the real positive ones where you're like, oh, I'm actually fucking cool as shit. I don't attach myself to that. I let it come, let it go. You can be taught, you know, you can teach yourself lessons from it, but don't get stuck on it. So if your brain does turn against you, as mine does, try not to take it seriously. It's not you being down on you. It's just your brain. It's just your brain. And it'll come and it'll go. It's just a thought. Um, is there a quote to do with that? I thought there was um, an Eckhart Tolle one. The most vital thing in spiritual life is to be able to watch your mind, to be the observer of your mind, so that the mind is not controlling you. That's Eckhart Tolle. Right, that's it. Thanks to everybody for the continued support over on Patreon. Um I appreciate it so much. You've helped me through thick and thin. I can't thank you enough. And we'll be back on it. We're back on the pod. Um, we're back on the YouTube videos. I've got lots of content to to edit and to get out to you. And I'm I'm off out now to get some more. I'll maybe bring this um, three day hiking in the Lake District video out for you guys in the next day or two before we even hit hundred thousand. Because you deserve it. You deserve more. And I'll be back. I'll do a podcast on the road. I'm going to take my podcast gear. So I'll get a podcast done on the road for you. And I'll just send you an out but love. To those that are struggling. And those that. You know. Yeah just to those that are struggling. Just I send you love. You are loved. Like all these little words of affirmation. I send you words of love and affirmation. Take it easy. I'll see you soon. Goodbye.